Yeah, ready to jump into our podcast now after like 30 minutes of recording. Let's do it. After after 10 minutes of waiting on Henry for five minutes. Right. Hey. My bad. <laughs> uh so we already got the intro, so we don't have to intro. No, we ain't got no intro yet. Oh, okay. So we about the intro. Yeah. Chris, you intro? Yep. All right, hold on. Let me just uh, try to get my page right real quick with these statistics. That's hands. Sorry. Hey. Why are your hands so dry? Hey, they not. I'm a man. I work with my hands. <laughs> Sorry. There's no excuse for them boys to be sounding like some. Uh, Adidas breakaway pants. Right. Is <laughs> Mike real sensitive? <laughs> oh, okay. That's what it is. Yeah, maybe I gotta turn the turn the feed in down or something. How you do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yo, Chris. Sorry. Yo, what's up? Welcome to another edition of the Patriarch Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Collins, joined by my brothers. Your hands, like it's good here. Your hands. <laughs> All right, hold up. Hold up. Nah, go. that's hold the on. intro. We're going to turn. No. no, that's the intro. We're going to keep I'm that. Ta- hold up. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nah, ain't no black, black, I'm no cake. I'm fixing it right now. Why too- your hands sound like sandpaper? You got that 180 grit. <laughs> All right, can you still? I'll turn my mic down. Can you hear me still real good? Not as good as before, but let me hear your hands. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that was the intro. Welcome to the Patriarch. We got H, Mark, and Chris in his ashy hands. Hard working hands. Hard working hands. Let's get that right. Man. Put some respect on the hard working hands, bro. You work with kids. They ain't got nothing to do with your hands. Nah, nah, nah. Hey, Chris, turn your mic back up. Seriously. Okay. Oh, man. Well, how y'all doing, fellas? What's up? It's been a minute since we uh been on the cat on the cat on the pod together. Recording at least. Man, life yeah, happens, recording. man. You know, uh, unlike you working with kids, I actually been using my hands in real life. You know, I've been remodeling my lady's bathroom. She had one of them old school Detroit bathrooms with the pink tile. Mm. Had like two and a half inches of cement and barbed wire uh, fencing in the inside. <laughs> barbed wire. <laughs> man, it was a mess, man. I've been working on that now for like two weeks, but it's finally done. Got some nice subway tile in there. Built a little niche. Uh, you know, it's, it's looking all nice and professional. I still got about uh, two or three more days of work till I'm wrapping that up. That's That's been my life night and day for the last few weeks. That's what's up, man. You know, you got to take care of home. Absolutely. Doing a good job, you know. I'm sure she appreciate that, right? <clears throat> yeah, so what you been up to, H? <laughs> You know, man, sometimes sometimes women just be impatient, you know, so you you don't know what they be appreciating. I feel you. I feel you. H, what's going on, man? Chilling, man. Living the dad life. 
Charlie just started crawling last week. Uh, hey. So, hey. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, now now things are getting for real, for real. Um, But, no, it's it's been cool. We've been trying to get in, you know, some camping trips and celebrating the holidays and all of that. But other than that, keeping it chill. Mark, I did see that you posted a video of you blocking your son, uh, which First is off, rude. I wasn't blocking. <laughs> you were blocking. I wasn't. Was, all right. So here's what happened. was clean. Yeah, go ahead. You explain what let happened. Me, let me tell him what happened. Dog had on this iced out chain. But listen, so, you know, my lady lives down in, like, outskirts of Detroit area. And so we, I've been down there working on our bathroom. So when I go down there, I take the kids. Well, it's a bunch of kids that live right next door. And it's a bunch of them that's around my kids' age. So it happens to be this other little mixed girl. My kids are biracial. It's this other little mixed girl has this long, curly hair. Uh, she's, a, she's a very cute little girl. But my son fell in love. The boy is like googly-eyed. He, he's nine years old. He's like, hey, I got to go out here and I got to play with Autumn. That's her name. The little girl comes over to my lady's house every single day now looking for the kids. Like, you don't even see, like, she just ring the doorbell. And so they have ring. She has their little ring uh, doorbell. And so she sees it. She's like, Christian's not here. She's like, ah. and then she goes and runs back next, runs back next door. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they just, as soon as they go over there, they got to play. And so he came in the house. He was like really frantic, right? Like, dad, 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 I gotta, I gotta get my phone. I left it in the car. I'm like, what do you need your phone for, man? And he was like, I, I gotta get um, Autumn's phone number. I'm like, why you need her phone number? He was like, huh. We tried to put it in Tristan's phone. It's not saving. I gotta get it so I can put it in her phone. We and he had like this like elaborate scheme on how and why he needed to get her number. He was like, "Then we're gonna play music." I'm like, "What you need to play music for?" He was like, "I need to play her a song." I'm like, "Play her a song?" He was like, "Yes, I need to play her a song." And then I'm gonna get her number. I'm gonna play her this song. And then we're gonna go out there. And we're gonna jump on a trampoline while I'm playing her this song. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." I'm like, first off, I was like, which one is Autumn? Why are you out of breath? And what song are you going to play for? He was like, I don't know. I'm just going to play a song. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Like, so then I grabbed my phone. I started recording. And he got so upset. He got like teary eyed. I was like, wait, so you going, why do you need her number? He was like, ah, mm, I just need her number. And so it's funny because for the first well not the first time but like i see myself and my son because the way like when i get excited my voice goes high his voice does the same thing and it's funny now because his voice is also starting to drop and get deeper he doesn't have like the little kid voice anymore and so he was like i just need our phone number <laughs> and so he was just exhausted with me and i gave him a hard time but the crazier even so we went and looked in the car the phone wasn't even in there, right? He got so excited to go see this little girl when we got there that he actually accidentally threw his phone away. <laughs> and so we had to go, um, so we had to go dig through the trash to get his phone because he threw his phone away. Hey, but my man's hat on. Oh, hat on his fit was 
Immaculate. Yo, he put on his favorite Fortnite shirt. He had on his iced out chain and he put on his favorite shoes and everything. Like, dog was ready to go impress old girl. But my favorite part about the video was I don't even want her number, Dad. I delete it. It's for Tristan. It's right. for Tristan. Doing like, her I'm doing her. It's not for me. I, yeah. I delete it. I don't need it. <laughs> Yo, he was pressed. And what he didn't realize, too, is that, like, my kids have iPhones because I have iPhone. And so the little girl had an Android. And so the reason why the number wasn't working in Tristan's phone, because he kept trying to FaceTime her. And, (laughs) you know, my kids, they don't believe in, like, regular calling. They just, it's always FaceTime. Always FaceTime. They don't, I don't think they've ever just called me my regular number, they've always FaceTime me. Man, that's funny, man. But so I saw the Christian, man. You know, so cute, man. That was that was a cute story, man. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm hurt. I'm a, I'm for real like a whole parent. Like that was that realization where I got to deal with like little girls now. Man, you bought out some teenagers, man. Man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ain't excited for that face. <laughs> Man, that's what's up, though. What about you, Collins? Myself, man, I I just been kind of trying to do some projects around the house, too. Um, You know, working with my hands like I do what I do, (laughs) what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, so that's pretty much what I've been doing, man, is uh, spending time with the kids, of course. But they've been, like, busy. They got, like, their own schedule. Like, my kids are six and four and, and about to be two. They got their own schedules and, and and weekend agendas, man. They they was at a party <laughs> on Sunday, um, so I'm like, uh, all right, uh, I guess I'm gonna just you know do some more work here at home. Then y'all go have fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, they be busy. Your feelings a little hurt, Chris. They they got to pencil you in. You know, I I thought we was gonna have a little you know campfire in the backyard, you know stuff like that. But you know they had other plans, so it's, you know it's all good. I was a little hurt, you know. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. But yeah, man, it's been it's been cool though, man. Missed you fellas. It's been a minute. Yeah, been man. Live at least, you know, doing our doing our thing. Yeah. So okay. So speaking of uh, you know, missing stuff and things not quite being right. Today's topic, we're gonna jump into talking about like men's mental health, right? Um, yes. You know, that's a personal near dear to my heart subject. Uh, I'm a huge advocate for men, men's right, father's right, and, and men's mental health. Um, I discuss it pretty much every day. Um, and so, Chris, I know you got some some stats. Like, what's, what's the stats on, like, men's mental health? Definitely. Yo, so I didn't even know, but apparently June was Men's Health Month. Didn't know it was a thing, but anyway. <laughs> nah, I ain't know either. <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of other uh, people didn't know either. <laughs> right. But um, just to, you know, give people a little bit of uh, insight, if you're not aware, um, men make up roughly 150 million uh, people in our population. Um, and, it, and, and mental health and depression affects males um about six million people are affected by depression per year 
six million males. Um, so that's about one in five adults experience a mental health problem each year. Um, some other stats, man. Um, like I said, over about six million men suffer from depression. Um, male depression often goes undiagnosed, right? We can probably think of a few uh, instances that, that occurs in. Um, but men are more likely to report like fatigue, uh, irritability, loss of interest in work or hobbies, things like that. Um, but some other things like anxiety, bipolar disorder, um, psychosis and schizophrenia, um, things probably a lot of mainstream public don't really fully understand, uh, even till this day. Right. Um, and also eating disorders. Um, I mean, you, people probably commonly think of those like eating disorders associated with women. Right. Um, but I mean, it's just as prevalent in men as well. Yeah. I thought for me, that was the most alarming, um, the whole eating disorder. Uh, and I, I want us to go back to, to the first one, right. Cause I think that's important. And I think that that's a great way to kick off the conversation where it says male depression often goes undiagnosed facts why do we think that is fellas first off we don't go to the doctor enough to get diagnosed and secondly um it, i think we're just so used to having to be strong that we hide and mask our depression um so much that it's not even we don't even think of it as depression we're like oh we just in the slump yeah I, and I, I think like for me, just speaking from my experience, right? I think it's the conditioning within our community, right? Like we are conditioned within our households that like as a man, like you said, Mark, like we're supposed to be strong, right? So we're not allowed to express our feelings of sadness or, you know, worthlessness or whatever it is, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we're not encouraged to express our feelings or be expressive of our feelings and so when that's not a thing that we can express just being expressive in general communicating how we feel then we internalize all that right and then so i think from my experience again like i think that's why like we don't even realize we feel in depression because we've been so conditioned on you need to internalize those feelings because you can't express them to anybody right you need to handle that suck it up and keep it going so then when we become an adult that manifests and then now we think the only way we can handle tough situations is we need to internalize it we need to handle it on our own and so we don't even seek out the resources to even get diagnosed or get some sort of uh rehabilitation or assistance in in what we're feeling and not only that but not seeking resources a lot of men just don't know where to even begin to look for those resources since it's not readily available for us and then i don't and then to even go further we don't have enough safe safe spaces right mm -hmm. where we can call on different people and have those honest discussions about stuff like that to uh cater to our our mental health and things of that nature and talk about those moments where we might be feeling sad or feeling worthless and things of that nature yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's huge, fellas. Um, I think there's there's always been just really such a stigma attached to, you know, just feeling like you're um, inadequate, right? Or, um, 
reaching out for help even and not really knowing where to turn. Um, so, I mean, and then it comes in just so many different kinds of ways. I mean, you think about just some of the experiences that uh, people go through as far as like enlisting in armed services and, you know, having to face those kinds of challenges, uh, you know, in pr- being in prison or, you know, in, in incarcerated, um, and then having to come back and re-engage with society uh, and those kinds of expectations, um, you know, it, from your job, if you're in kind of a high stress kind of occupation, um, or just man, living in poverty, <laughs> mm-hmm. like people, people don't commonly, I think, associate those kinds of things with, uh, with mental health. Um, but, but even that can, you know, extreme poverty or homelessness and all those kinds of things are really, um, uh, I don't know if they're symptoms of, of mental mental health issues but they are uh, uh, yeah so <laughs> certainly uh you know they're 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 there so uh just being aware of some of those things and um how we can address them i think is is a starting point and that's that's a huge misconception that uh you pointed out that um like poverty being growing up in poverty and growing up with certain things in your life um like stuff we like to call hood traumas, you know, those are real mental health issues. Um, you know, growing up in poverty, you have like PTSD, but we just like to call it hood trauma. But like, you know, um, we have safety issues where, you know, fireworks can be traumatic for black people because, you know, not only for war vets, but for black people, because sometimes we just don't know if you grew up in the hood, you don't know if it's a gunshot or a firework. And so you got this fight or flight that kicks in. That's a PTSD. Mm-hmm. It is. It is, man. And, um, you know, there's one uh, thing that kind of points to this. And uh, I believe her name is Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, uh, where she really addresses uh, ACEs, which um, are it's an acronym for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And uh, the definition of it, is is like if uh say uh if, if there's you know your your home life is constantly presenting you challenges maybe you know you've had a situation where you had you know some sexual violent act occur against you as a child or um you, you might have seen you know somebody be arrested and go to jail um or um, you know, witness some kind of violent act or something like that. But um, a, a prolonged or having four or more of those is considered um, where you're more likely to uh, kind of continue that 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 same kind of behavior as you become an adult. Um, so I, I think all that kind of research is really interesting and uh, in how you think about even just poverty. Um mm-hmm. And, and what that can really do to generations, right? I mean, we see mm-hmm. it now with uh, black folks, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and all the dis- disenfranchisement and wrongs that have occurred throughout our history and heritage. So, um, and I, I think just being, again, being aware of all of these different kinds of uh, challenges is, is a starting point. So, okay, so 
pointing the finger at ourselves, when do you think was the first time you really checked on like your mental health? When was that first like recognition? Like um, I'm going through depression or I have anxiety or something of that nature. Uh, I guess I'll speak to it. Um, and I think I have, I didn't realize it until like, like recently, right. In adulthood. Cause at the time I didn't have, uh, I didn't have a name for it. I didn't define it. Right. Cause like depression is not something that I felt that I, I would get, or I could be capable of getting. Um, so I went through, I know I went through deep depression when like I lost my brother, right? Like I like disconnected from everybody. I like, I was really like into church. I like disconnected from all of that. Um, And it like changed me like completely, right? Like, you know, people reaching out and they're like, you know, I want to, I want to help you or I want to, you know, give me sympathy. And I'm looking at like all of this, the responses that I'm getting from the people and I'm like is that like are you really trying are you really here for me right like so I'm questioning their motives and things like that so that was like for me that was like my first time but Mm -hmm. then I also like where I realized it was and even as an adult like it it like took me time to like come to terms like like this is a form of depression was after Charlie was born uh which I think a lot of men don't talk about right like because I was worried about Pauline going through postpartum depression uh because that's a thing that we know that women go through but after Charlie was born like I felt emotions that I couldn't explain where I felt like I'm not contributing uh because of the bond that her and and Pauline has uh my normal is different now yeah. uh, because of this. And so like, I felt like I was losing, anytime I feel like I'm losing my identity, then I like retract and I go, you know, like I get reclusive, right? And and I think me, mm-hmm. that, that behavior is a sign of, you know, depression for me. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I think, uh, so I, I can't pinpoint the exact time, but I, I, I can like look at different, um, situations that have, have occurred. And then in hindsight, you're like, oh yeah, man, I was, I was probably really depressed right there. <laughs> um, but man, like really one of the times where I kind of just noticed it was, um, when I was in college and, uh, it kind of just stopped running track at, uh, at, at the college I was at. And this was after like a year and, not having really like the same amount of success as I did in high school with it mm-hmm. and just really feeling not enough or, you know, you know, yeah, not enough. And, um, so I kind of went through a little period there where I just didn't want to do anything. Um, classes was, <laughs> I probably skipped a few classes <laughs> until I felt better or more myself. Um, but you know, and that was just it, it just kind of went away or whatever. Um, uh, and, and I, I moved on, but, um, I think, you know, we, we have these different experiences and uh, like really recently, uh, maybe last month or a few months ago, 
Like, I was just, I woke up one day and I told my wife, like, man, I, I think I'm depressed. <laughs> it was, like, just after, like, a couple weeks of, like, you know, feeling, like, feeling into my body, like, that yeah. I was stressed. When, I, when I'm at work or whatever, or really to the outside where their perception is probably, like, I'm, I'm really, like, even killed. I mean, even to you guys, like, you know, I... I look like I probably have my emotions in check a lot. Um, I, I don't go over too much or under too low. Um, I'm, I'm just a pretty relaxed person. That's my demeanor. And so, um, but being able to like feel that in my body uh, was just like, man, I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I don't feel like myself. And being able to identify that and, you know, talk to my partner about, you know, how that feels or how I was feeling helped her to see like, okay, maybe I can help in these different ways. And she's here to support me and those kinds of things. So, um, that felt good to know and then being able to deal with it and, and, and move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's huge. Having somebody to, to be a crutch and talk to about that. Um, I think my my first sign was actually around the same time as you, H, was like right around the time when like your brother died. But um, but it was more so what my life was at that time. You know, um, um, I remember that moment because I had like just started driving like my parents car. It was that 89 Buick LeSabre that didn't have a power steering. Mm. (laughs) You know, I'm saying that's. You didn't have power steering, you have muscles trying to turn quarters in them joints. But just to even further that, like at that point, man, we didn't have, I don't, I think we didn't have like water at the house. I, that was like that point in time when like I was coming over your crib to shower. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was falling out with my with my dad because, you know, he was, you know, my parents they struggle with drug addiction my whole life and so you know like they were like borrowing money from dealers and like saying it was like for me you know and it was a lot of stuff that transpired between like those transactions between me and those dealers where we got into it that you know i don't even think you know about where you know i had to beat up some people Mm. type of stuff you know what i'm saying where they they had to they tried me and so uh i think that was my first time ever realizing like I was depressed because I I honestly didn't feel like my life was worth it. Like I didn't even want to be here anymore. Mm. And so, um, I'm getting emotional, (laughs) you know? So I remember like when your brother died, it was just like, I don't want to be here, but we just lost, you know, and I've always, and it's weird ever calling you like my friend. Cause I, I don't think we've ever, I don't think I've ever, you know, said to people like, this is my, my boy, Henry is always just like my brother. So mm-hmm. I felt like at that moment, I was like, dang, we just lost our little brother. Mm-hmm. And I think what saved me was just like, was literally was like thinking about you. Like we just lost our little brother. If I leave this earth, who's going to be there for him. Mm-hmm. And I remember at that point, Mrs. Weaver gave me like this book about grief. And that was the first time I had ever even seen like a therapist was like sitting 
on her couch, literally just talking to her and unpacking everything that was like on my shoulders. Mm. And that was just weighing me down. And that's when the first time I even understood what depression was. And, and I think that kind of triggered me. Cause I mean, even when I was younger, I wanted to be a psychologist. And so that's what really, you know, got the ball rolling with me, like being intrigued by mental health and specifically like men's mental health. And that helped me understood like my parents and my dad, like I'm pretty sure my dad would have been uh, clinical, would have been diagnosed with clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Like it makes absolute perfect sense. Clinical depression. He, he definitely had anxiety and he struggled from PTSD just from the life he lived. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the lifestyle he had um before he was he struggled with addictions and so um and i think from there i've learned to you know talk about my emotions and talk about my feelings and to not bottle stuff in as much you know you you still have your moments where you feel alone you don't want to talk to somebody or you don't feel like even sharing a safe space with someone but you push through, you keep going, and all that stuff. And yeah, that's um, I we recently had a, a classmate from uh from college, man, that that uh, uh died, and um, it seemed like it was by suicide, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so I I think uh just. Like some of the, it's hard to see because, I mean, like you said, like it's it's just kind of hard to see, especially with uh, people kind of going on with their day to day lives or whatever. And, um, it, you know, those are so like how how do you see those signs? Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult, right? Um, some of the factors that are listed here, and uh, this information can be found on, uh, um. Mental Health America, uh, MHANational.org. Um, but just some of the risk factors, I think a big one is, is and that not a lot of people maybe even think about sometimes is that social isolation mm-hmm. and, and not really being able to interact with people or feeling like, again, just maybe you don't have... Um, can't really identify or connect with people. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones, but substance abuse, unemployment, um, military related trauma. We talked about like PTSD. Um, what's interesting is that genetic predisposition, um, other kinds of mood disorders, those things kind of put individuals at a higher risk for suicide and, um, what else is interesting is this, that I think it, it well it says here, like four times as many men as women, uh, are more likely to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that's like mind blowing. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, whatever, you know, those, those issues are, um, you got to have some kind of support. 
Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's worth having somebody who you can yeah. call in those moments or or even learning in um, what's your like triggers and identifiers. Right. Um, so like I know when I'm falling into that where, like you said, self-isolation um, or the feeling of burnout, you know, that's how I know where I just don't want to complete work. It was like um, I got a long list of things that I need to do, but it's not getting done where I procrastinate, that's how I know when I'm feeling, you know, depressed or some anxiety might be going on where, you know, we're, we're taught, you know, I was raised as a hustler. So it was like, you got to work, work, work and work. And really just up into these last few years, I realized, man, I've worked my entire twenties away and I just overworked myself. And I put myself into these depressive moods, these, these depressive moments, because I never enjoyed life. Mm. And I would just, instead of dealing with myself and dealing with my emotions, I would just work them away. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, so that, that, that delves into like, how do, how do we cope? Right. How do we cope with yeah. distress or whatever you have going on? Right. And I think for me, it starts with the awareness of, what the thing is right like again like we don't know depression and i'll I'll just say me right i don't know depression because my idea of depression is is like i'm over here and depression is way over here there is no in between for me right so it's like Mm -hmm. you're either crying all the time or you're good but there's this gray area this middle ground of like these are symptoms that you could be experiencing and then they are different degrees of depression that you could be experiencing. Yeah. But if you don't, if you're not aware of that, then one, you can't identify that Two, You can't educate yourself on how to deal with that. Cause like a big thing for me, when you were talking about my brother, right? Like a big thing for me, it was that I was not allowing myself to go through the grieving process. Mm-hmm. And so me not allowing myself to go through that grieving process caused the depre- like all those symptoms of depression to get even worse but once i allowed myself once i was educated on the grieving process and i was like oh i'm in denial oh i'm at this stage oh i'm here and allowed myself to like fully go through that gambit then all the other <clears throat> experiences i had with death and family right like it became easier to deal with because now i know there's a process that i'm supposed to go through to 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 cope with this all Mm -hmm. um so i'm interested to hear like how 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 are you all how do you cope with those those feelings of depression or whatever you want to define it as mine mine has changed a little bit like as i got older right because i don't have the same freedom and luxuries as i did in my early 20s especially now with being a father um you know like my coping is is um, you know, I love to exercise and clear my mind and, you know, create healthy habits. Um, before early in the fatherhood, I would just eat. Mm. I would eat, eat my stress, eat my depression away. And at one point, I think I got up to like 245. I went from like 185 to 245 in like a year or two. And I was because I was miserable. I I couldn't do anything. I had kids. I had a house to take care of. And I just I just 
went into a sunken place. And so I had gained a lot of weight. But once I found my love for um, working out again and doing martial arts and even like having my creative outlets are a huge help for me um, with photography and graphic design and all that stuff, like having my creative outlets and exercise is a huge uh, coping mechanism for me. And just being honest with myself and having honest conversations mm-hmm. um, and just sorting through my issues. And occasionally if I got to call somebody to, you know, have a, a venting session, I'll yeah. do that as well. But you also got to throw in a little bit of chocolate. I still got to snack a little bit, right? I got to have my unhealthy chocolates. Yeah. Man, that's what's up, man. Mark, I, man, it's so interesting. I was looking at um, uh, just, you know, strategies that people can use to cope and deal with stress. And you talked about, you really touched on a lot of those things. Um, one being, you know, value valuing yourself, like making time for hobbies, your favorite projects, uh, things like that. Uh, the next was taking care of your body. And that's sleeping, yeah, <laughs> eating, yeah. eating right or better, eating nutritious meals, uh, drinking water, um, exercise. I mean, those things are like honestly really proven to help lower, um, you know, improve your mood, mm-hmm. and decrease anxiety, and those kinds of things. Um, you talked about, you know, uh, um, uh, I think you talked about uh, just surrounding yourself with like good people mm-hmm. um, and getting help when you need it. Like, like you mentioned calling somebody uh, when you, when you need a, when you need to vent, um, you know, uh, one thing that I, I think uh, has helped me a lot um, recently is just being able to take a minute and, and breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just five or six deep breaths over a minute, you know what I mean? Uh, different points throughout the day. Um, mindfulness is kind of a, a, a bigger thing that's kind of being more popularized right now. Uh, but meditation, those kinds of things, prayer, whatever you, you know, consider that to be, um, those are still good ways to help you cope and, and really kind of be self-reflective. But, um, you know, me personally, and I, I love to try to make time to do like hobbies, things I like, like fishing. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm just, I just go out to take a drive, (laughs) man. One of my favorite things Mm -hmm. or, you know, get out, take a walk, enjoy some sun, maybe even enjoy some rain sometimes. Um, you know, and really just, yeah, just being able to be generous to myself, uh, some ways also include like volunteering, uh, sometimes, uh, well, I, I have never known a, (laughs) a bad thing to come from volunteering your time to something that you, you, you found worthy of helping others. Uh, I've always felt better after. Yeah, same. Um, and 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 
breaking up the monotony. Mm-hmm. Do something different. You know, um, those are those are things that I think can just again begin to help. Yeah. Um, but like you were saying, age, um, being able to connect that those emotions to language mm-hmm. and process out loud mm-hmm. or journal, mm-hmm. um, you know, get that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, that's those are just some I don't journal, but uh, sometimes I might write a word or two mm-hmm. <laughs> or one thing I found at work. Man, just just write that email. Don't don't put no sender to who you want to send it to. Don't do that mm-hmm. yet. But <laughs> write that advice. email, then delete it. You know, yeah. say, say the <laughs> don't, words. Don't actually, don't actually don't accidentally hit send. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, write that and delete it. <laughs> That's funny you said or, that because I was looking it, at my drafts. Or send it to your uh, other email. You know, everybody mm-hmm. got like a uh, Freak Daddy 96 <laughs> hotmail. Freak Daddy like 96. I ain't got none at all. No, I'm to give me one. one of them. Mark got that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Fish. that's Yeah, right, right. <laughs> what, what, what about you, Henry? Man, for me, so like, like I said, right, like, the moments that I, I feel like I'm sinking into a depression is when I when I feel like I'm losing control of my identity. And I, I think that's like been like a thing for me, like like throughout life is like the moment I feel like I lose control of who I am or who I'm supposed to be or who I'm, I want to be. Uh, then I start. Yeah, I, like I start getting some of those symptoms of depression. And so uh I have given myself permission to be selfish, right? And mm. selfish in in making sure that I am taking care of of me and figuring out who I am, right? Like, cause you hear people say, like, I'm finding, I need to find myself, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, you saying you're depressed, like you don't like the person who you have become, where you don't know your true identity, and mm-hmm. I don't think you can progress as or as a as a human, right? unless you truly know who you are. And for me, figuring out and, and uh, what's the word? Embracing my faults, right? Like, as I get older, I start realizing that, look, who I am is who I am. Like, I ain't got no hair on my head, <laughs> right? I got, I got these faults. Um, and you're wearing a girl hat. I'm wearing a girl hat. Uh, you know, like, whatever it is, like, I'm going to embrace that to the fullest if it makes me happy, if it makes me feel confident in who I am, regardless of what anybody says. Right. And I think uh, sometimes like for me, myself, I need a a social media cleanse. Right. Because looking at all these superficial things on social media, like you you get in that like I need I want to be in that lane or Mm -hmm. why is that not me? Or why can't I have those things? Why are they living this life? Uh, and for me, I need to like pull away from some of that, and again, figure out who I am, um, so that like I am confident in my identity. And then a thing that I really want to work on, um, that I'm not good at, I, I, I'm garbage at, is I don't express my emotions. Like I can, I can write, I can write some stuff real like. In, but I hide behind the metaphors, right? Like in poetry, I can express myself, but I hide behind the metaphors. Uh, and so 
I have been really looking into uh, or at least contemplating going to get therapy um, just to have an unbiased person listen to all the things that I have bottled up. Like, I just want to just express it all and not have judgment or, and just, just say the stuff, right? Um, and I think once I do that, I think I'll unpack a lot of things that I've not realized. <laughs> you should, man. I'm actually interviewing people now to figure out like who I feel would like work best with me mm. and like finding like a new therapist. Like I reached out to actually like two people today. Um, I think I do have someone who, who I, I will choose, but you spoke on something that's super powerful that a lot of men don't even have the opportunity to embrace because they haven't searched and discovered is, which is like their identity. And, you know, we like you said earlier, we talk so much about women um, changing and with, within motherhood. But we change, too, as men and as fathers, our identities change. And when our identities change, we um, we we turn into other people. It's a it's a popular TikTok video going out right now where it's talk about, like, what's the flip of a light switch thing that happened to you? And this guy said, I went to therapy and he was telling his therapist that he's a uh, he's good at a lot of things and he's trying to figure out how to be great. He's a good husband. He's a good worker. Um, he's a good father. He's a he's a good friend. He wants to know how he can be great at him. And she said and he said that his therapist said that. Uh, um, uh, a husband is something you are to your wife. Father is something you are to your kids. An employee is something you are to your employer. Um, a father is something you are to your, your kids or whatever. And he said, but what are you to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your identity is in what your identity lies within what you are to other people. But what are you to you? And he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people never think about what they are to themselves. To, to, to be honest, like I, I guarantee if we ask anybody, like, who are you to you? No, mm-hmm. like people would struggle with that because it's true, yeah. right? Like we get yeah. so wrapped up into think about it this way, right? Like if we were just meeting, the first question after we introduce each other is like, what do you do? Right? We we talking about our yeah. job. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, like what do you do? Like that's how we're defining ourselves. It's not like mm-hmm. who are you? We're not asking who who are you. We're like, what do you do for a living? Like that is the first thing defining you yeah. or I'm a father. That's the second thing to defi- or maybe the first depending yeah. on your priorities. Right. Like, so we don't as not even just as men, like even as, you know, as women as well, because I, I notice these things with my wife, like she gets so wrapped up in her roles that she forgets who she is. And I've been trying to encourage her like, look, babe, you got to have your identity. I mm-hmm. need to have my identity. Because if we lose sight of that, then we lose sight of why we fell in love with each other. Yeah. And I think that's important. Like, you got to have your identity. Like, go hang with the girls. You know, go wild out. Like, figure out who you are. And then come back to me. And then we can share our different identities. Because that's yeah. what attracted us to each other in the first place. And that's Her- deep, H, man. Me, uh, me and my wife had the same conversation. Like, you know, you just kind of hit them rough patches or whatever. But, um. You know, at one point, I was just like, you know, we, we both got to, because she works from home. 
And so she spends a lot of her time here at home. I'm like, well, you know, you got to figure out what connect back to what, what interests you and your hobbies and stuff. And, um, so she's been kind of on this journey last, you know, nine, six months or whatever and figuring that out. And, you know, I just want to be able to support her in doing that. Um, I think for me, the same thing, man, is who am I at the end of the day going to be beside, I mean, obviously, you know, a father and those kinds of things too. But beyond that, because our kids are only going to be in our lives for a certain period of time. Yeah. Right. Until they're on their own and, and living their own lives too. And we just, you know, here existing again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keeping connections with what what interests us, if that's going to hang with the fellas for whatever, you know, hooping or doing whatever it is. Um, I think that's important, man, to, to and that's that again, that social interaction and connection with other people uh, to continue to strengthen that. Yeah. I remember my first time questioning my identity It was right when I turned 30. And I just remember like being ready to turn 30 and was just like, I think I was like divorced for like two years, two or three years at that point. Um, Yeah, maybe like two years. And I was just questioning everything. Like, who am I now? Like I'm out of a marriage. Um, You know, I had just got like a promotion at my job, but I was just like, who am I? And I couldn't figure out who I was, but I knew who I wanted to be. Hmm. And I remember that's when I started like working out again, heavy. We were, that's when you were a personal training. I was coming down there working out with you mm-hmm. and I was reinventing myself at that time, hanging out with you and Lee a lot heavy. Um, that's, that's all around that time, right? When I turned 30 and even, I mean, five years later, I'm still defining who I am and still rediscovering myself and getting so much better at it. Um, just because I, when I turned 30, I refused to do anything that I didn't love. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's crazy telling people this story because they can't understand it. They're like, well, why did you, how did you do this? I'm like, I just did it. I'm like, I've already failed a lot in life. I've already had setbacks. I've already lived my life scared. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. And they were like, so you know, I went and I just joined the film industry and I started taking gigs in the film industry. And I'm like, well, you didn't have anything lined up. You didn't have any money saved. Like, no, nah, man, I just did it. Mm-hmm. And I just chased the dream. I think that's uh, that's incredibly brave, man. And like, I really, you know, commend people and, and being willing to just make that leap, that change in mindset and, and make that leap to to the unknown. So, man, I, I, I really, uh, you know, Thank you. That's, a, that's a great perspective to have. Um, I, I feel like the same in some respect with, I don't think I've, I've had like a, I've had like, I, I haven't had a bad day. Right. And like, I, I, I don't look at things like that. I've probably had some bad moments or some mm-hmm. bad moments that maybe lasted a couple minutes, but at the end of the day, like man, it's it's still so much more to life. Yeah, 
and then this, that, and the third. And so, um, man, that's a that's a great perspective to have, man. So much respect to you. Thank you. Oh, I've had some bad days, though. I've had some bad days and rough moments, some rough weeks. But and I don't, I can't tell you how many times I called Henry and was like, man, I give up. <laughs> and you know, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Now, I was going to say, like, you know, what like helps me get out of the bad days. Right. Or or I actually I don't have bad days. Right. Like like Chris said, like I have I have bad moments. Right. Especially now, now that I'm older and I've realized that, like, it's all perspective. Right. Like mm-hmm. you can you can milk that bad moment and turn it into an entire bad day. But honestly, it's that bad moment. And usually I have those things where it's like I am trying to control something that is not in my control right and i feel like a lot of us do that like we try to control things that are not in our control once you realize that like hmm, it's not really in my control i can only control the things that i can't control then that helps with the stress <laughs> that helps with the, the worry and, and the bad days because it's like you know what i did what i could do in my control but i can't control those things but i do want to yeah. touch on something else you said mark about um for me, I think it's important to have like when we talk about like having a support system, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's important for me personally to have like you all, right? Our our tight group of people that like I have grown up with because I think we wear so many hats and we put on so many different faces in the different groups that we are to like fit in, right? that Mm -hmm. like you guys know who I am from the core and so like when I hang with you all like I am my most authentic self and I feel like y'all call me out (laughs) when I'm not being my authentic self so for me helping me get back to my identity when I'm feeling like I'm lost is that that time even if it's not like me expressing that like look I'm going through depression (laughs) it's more just like look I just need y'all here to to remind me of who I am yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's deep too, and I, I kind of been on this quest too the last year, about, you know, why why does my work self have to be different from my yo, work? and like why can't those two be one and the same? Preach, preacher. And instead of looking at them differently, uh, I. So yeah, man. I, I those so, should be. You gotta. You gotta be yourself. That's very true. And, and I think. Yeah. Go I'm ahead, Chris. Just rap, man. I, I think. Um, you know, I, I want to show up and be me. That's how. I, you know, that's that's the best way I could put my my stamp on what it is that I do, um, by being me and being able to connect with people and being able to um, really have the impact that I want to have at work and, and through work. Um, cause to me it's just, it's, I, I feel like I'm really just serving. <laughs> uh, and that's what I, one of the things I think I do, that's my superpower. Um, but like, I, I remember being at a little lunch and learn one day with uh shout out to Isaiah Oliver, headbang. Um, he talked about being like, just, just being you and mm-hmm. um in, in all those kinds of different spaces like you ain't got to change how you talk um or how you express yourself but just be you mm-hmm. oh i am that 100 now um i am authentically me and it 
can I can tell like it kind of bothers people sometimes because they're like, why do you feel so confident in you? It my confidence bothers people sometimes. Like this backwards hat, I wear this. I wore this to a deal that I a pitch deal, uh, like two weeks ago. Um, I met with some people. They were like trying to buy some concepts. It was for my my ad agency business business, and I walked in there. And I mean, I dress up typically most of the time anyways, like I don't really have many down clothes, like my streetwear is still casual and I wore my hat and, you know, most time that doesn't happen, but because I'm a creative and I'm a creative director, this is all a part of my brand. This is part of who I am. Mm. And I didn't go in there and, and be honest, Henry, I kind of took that from you because you always wear hats. And I was like, how this dude get away with wearing hats all the time? And I'm still like shaving my head all the time. And like, so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try this. And I'm just going to tell people this is who I am, accept it or I walk. And when I interviewed for my current job, that was one of the things that I was like, was a non-negotiable. I said, listen, rather summertime or wintertime, I'm pretty much wearing a hat. Um, I'm probably not going to wear dress shoes because I'm w- walking around and moving around my chucks are my casual and i made this pitch of you're hiring me you're hiring my brand you're hiring my identity and i need to be comfortable in order to create what you want me to create man mark you about to get me fired up (laughs) when we talk about personal brand like not to get off subject but just to like iterate this fact right like i think and again it goes with identity right like your brand, who you going with this whole idea of like being the authentic you in all spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me that didn't start to happen until I got into my thirties because then I got into the realization of like, again, like I said, like, this is who I am. I'm not going to change. I can only perfect the things that I'm great at. And I will use those as strengths to overcome whatever opportunities or weaknesses that I do have. Right. Um, but your brand and what you're portraying to to people, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whatever, that that should be the authentic you. And so, yes, um, when I my last position at a company, I won't name the company uh, like I went like, you know, this is like a, a very like uh enterprise level company right like i go into there and i'm wearing my hat uh and they tell me like hey look part of our hat our policy our dress code policy is that nobody wears hats and i'm like okay that's cool but i'm still coming to this interview in my hat like this is me this is the package like you Mm -hmm. wanted me here i am this is the package and uh after i had got hired i still still wore my hat and then, like, two weeks later, the uh, recruiter told me that, like, they changed the dress code policy to suit my brand of me mm-hmm. wearing a hat. And so, like, hats are now allowed in this big enterprise company. Uh, and so, like, I just say that to say that, like, we shouldn't dilute our brand or who we are to appease somebody else. Right. And I think yeah. if we if we again, going back to this whole theory of, like figuring out who you are being selfish figuring out who you are mm-hmm. 
then then once you figure out who you are you can be your best version of you which yeah which you know helps with some of the, and there's other like chemically imbalancing things science things that deal with depression but yeah for me personally me finding confidence in who i am has helped me alleviate uh those those feelings of depression yeah i agree same here um like me being able you know as a writer i feel like i need to be comfortable in my own skin when i'm creating and that's when if i'm wearing a trying to wear a suit to work you're not going to get my full vulnerability when i'm trying to create something because anything that i write i write from the heart and um when i went through my divorce that was literally one of the biggest things that i pray for consistently i ask god to um only give me opportunities that would fit a purpose that would cater to my purpose i only want to write with purpose i don't want to take jobs just to take them for money i want to do something to further what i believe in and so even when i write commercials i write something to make you feel Mm. there's emotion attached to it there's some conviction there's some type of morale that fulfills a purpose within me and I'm going to make you smile and I'm going to make you laugh or I'm going to make you cry, but it's all emotion behind it. And um, I can only do that when I'm comfortable mm-hmm. and, and people legit buy into that because this is what I need. This is a non-negotiable and you giving me that, that, uh, you know, that, that availability to be me you're going to get the best of me if if i can be me and so and moving forward that's all i've ever been these last few years was just me unapologetically like making people say my full first name like you gonna like you can't say you want a little bit of urban flair or you want to have diversity but you don't want to accept the urbanness of my diversity mm-hmm. no you're gonna get all this black <laughs> That's real. So you gonna get all this culture. So so before we get too far over in there, I think that is a great topic. I think we should discuss like self branding and marketing, uh, at, like at a different point in time, obviously. Uh, but I want to do bring us back into the fold of uh, like mental health and and, and awareness, right? Um, so my I guess my question to you are. Uh, um what what's what's your like like let's say i came to you all and i said like hey i'm dealing with things like what's your advice to me i'm dealing with things i don't know what to do i think i'm depressed what should Man, i do? Uh, no i'm kidding uh- <laughs> <laughs> well it, it, that's one of them things it's, it's a little too vague you know it depends on the variables what you're dealing with and what's going on um, I think first off, just because of me and you relationship, um, I will I will probably come down and be in your space. Um, you know, I will probably either uh, get you in, in the safe space of your house and we just kick it or get you outside of the house and we're going to go do something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to go hoop. We're going to take a walk, go for a run, whatever it is. But um, I think for us specifically, like us being in each other's presence has that ability to diffuse whatever we're feeling. And so, um, you know, showing up, 
right? That's what that's what everybody needs. They if when they put out that call for help, they need somebody to show up. Mm-hmm. And so showing up, and then you know, I have that ability to dissect and dig and see what's the problem. And I'm gonna offer the best advice if that's what you want, whether it's and that's and that's the biggest thing, right? Is you gotta determine if someone wants advice or if they just want somebody to listen. Or if they just want you to, like you said, somebody just to be there, right? Like, yeah, the form of therapy that someone needs doesn't mean that it needs to be textbook. It needs to be Mm -hmm. uh, you need to listen and give me advice. Sometimes, like you said, I just need my homeboy there or my brother there. Right. I just need Mm -hmm. you there in the same space that I'm existing in and we just vibing. Yeah. Chris, what you got, sir? Yeah, man, I think. uh man, for me, it's really, I'm learning to ask good questions (laughs) or be a better question asker. That's a big thing right there is being able to ask. That's a lot of men's like biggest issue is not having it. Like they refuse to ask. So that's huge, but my bad, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, man, uh, just listening and um again just being able to to ask questions because a lot of times we often have the answer within ourselves, mm-hmm. but it really just takes some time to be able to really reflect on those and you know ask open honest questions and you know try to listen and look for the lessons in those mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's kind of where I would start. Yeah, yeah. How do you, um, how do you offer support? Uh, I mean, I I guess Mark, you, you hit it on the point, or hit that hit it on the head when you said like it, it's this a vague question. Um, it, it is customized, right? It's customized to the the variables. Um, and I didn't think about that before I asked the question, but here we are. Uh. <laughs> But no, honestly, I think like all the things that you all said, right? Like one, showing up, like I think that's important. Uh, you know, uh, who who is it? Is it Royce? Royce to five nine has a song, uh, check on your strong friends, right? Um, like that plays in my head a lot. Uh, like I think about like, even with us, right? Like <laughs> there are some things that we have discussed here that I was not privy to. Um, because when we look at each other, we look at each other as the strong friends, right? Like we, we, we don't, like, I don't, I didn't know that you guys were going through depression or, um, contemplating other things, right? Like those are things that I just didn't know about. Um, so just, just, you know, just checking in and, you know, hitting the group chat or having some sort of line of communication and be like, how y'all fellas doing? Like, how we doing? Right. Cause sometimes that's all a person needs is how y'all doing to be like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and hook up with you and, and get, get me out of this funk, which is how we describe depression, right? Like, oh, I'm in a funk. Uh, so I think like for me that, I think that, that showing up and, and, and like checking on, checking on, on, on our people, which I, I will honestly say I'm not the best at. Um, so I, I need to get better at that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I, I think we all could be better at that. Um, right. Just, you know, 
people don't write letters no more or notes or postcards or, all, you know, those kinds of things where it really just kind of, you know, takes you to take a little bit of time and be, uh, you know, be, be really thoughtful in, the, in those moments. So, I mean, that's a, that's an approach too that we can all probably be, be better at. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, like, even going through, like, going with the whole idea of, like, the social media, right? Like, I think it's easy to get distracted by the positive posts or, you know, people usually only post the good things or the great things that's happening. So, you know, you, and a lot of, for a lot of us, that is our way. Be the one moments, man. They got the the popcorn eating moments, man. What's that? The Facebook drama, man. Oh, yeah, it'd be those moments, but... Yeah, I just in our in our group, right? Like we don't we don't yeah, post yeah, things yeah, when it's I, like when it when it's we don't air our business like that, right? But yeah, dang, I lost my thought. I was gonna say my something. Bad. My bad, man. I know it's no, real profound. It was real profound. Go ahead. No, but I get it though. Like I don't, I stay off social media in those moments, and I definitely try really hard not to compare, just because I have so many industry friends. You know, I've been in the media industry since god i was 19 when we started mm-hmm. and i mean like i have friends that are like emmy award winners that have won like mtv awards bet awards like major accomplishment accomplishments and i'm like man had i not taken these few years off i would have been here by now or had i not did this i would have had this by now like i know i'm more talented than this person and so forth and so on and so it's just like yeah man it's so easy to do and get lost in that or like man if i wouldn't have deleted my twitter where i had ten thousand followers and started all over and i can't even crack a thousand out like all of that stuff you know used to eat me up or sometimes occasionally it does I'm like hey but i had to recognize understand and appreciate my own journey mm-hmm. and i have to have a certain level of self-awareness and and acceptance and because of that like mentally i'm a lot healthier um and i, I don't beat myself up you know over that type of stuff as we should like we should never compare ourselves even like you know within our our group right like we i wouldn't say we would compare but, you know, there's like friendly competition to motivate each other because we know our potential. Right. As mm-hmm. friends. Right. But, you know, like people that you don't even know or associate with or who are just like Facebook, Instagram friends or whatever social media platform you use. And like there's no reason that you need to compare to their life again, because like the things that we post on social media it most times are only the positive things the highlights of our life uh no one most people don't you know post the depressing things right uh mm-hmm. and and going back to my point what i was saying was uh with that was like right like if that's what you guys are posting then and and if that is our way these days of like keeping in touch is through social media then i could look at that and be like oh mark good Hey, he posts some pictures. Hey, his kids are great. His job is good. Like, right. And so to me, visually from just social media, if I'm not checking on you, it looks like you're in, you're good. 
but then I check on you and then you can tell me behind the scenes like H man I'm struggling with this like yeah I know this is happening this appears this way but really the reality is this is the reality right so that's why again like I say it's important to like you can't rely on social media to to keep in touch <laughs> with the people that you love you should definitely be checking on them yeah yeah you got to check on your people and you got to check on your mental health and so we got to make sure we drop those links um to any websites we're going to drop some numbers down in the, in the comments and in the description below as well for everybody who may be struggling or who could need some counsel who could need some help or somebody to talk to um you know we do have numbers that are 24 hours and so we make sure we provide all of those for you as well definitely and so I appreciate the the mental health check-in with everybody. It was a great, uh, deep conversation. I shed my my thug tear that'll last me for this whole, uh, for at least two quarters. Uh, So good. So good. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. So uh, anybody got a a dad moment uh, of of the week? I know mine was was my son and him getting that number. His first... (laughs) Did he I don't get know. the number though? Oh, he did get the number. He can't he can't <laughs> call her though. He can't call her though. You know, if, if my daughter can't talk to boys, he can't talk to girls. Yeah, you know, I got right, right. I gotta have some equality in the household. I can't be too biased. Even though I was proud. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> Henry, what's yours, man? Uh Man, it is crazy. Like, again, I said this already, but it's crazy to see Charlie crawling. Like, like we we were, I mean, I'm sure you guys went through this, right? Like, we're like, you're like, my baby not crawling. <laughs> so you like try to get him, prop him up. And you try to move them through the mechanics. And like, she was just not getting it. And then just one day by herself, it all makes sense that she out here crawling. Like, it's wild oh. to see this little baby little bitty baby crawling and now i gotta worry about stuff that i didn't even think about previously like uh man she can get to that she can get to this uh so you know now i gotta do that but that that's a problem moment for me to just to see my daughter like starting to crawl that's what's up yeah. uh yeah man for me it was um that's my so i mentioned both uh two of my youngest their birthdays are later this month and early next month and uh my oldest also finished kindergarten so we're gonna do a a little birthday slash graduation appreciation party uh in a couple weeks and so uh i'm really looking forward to that they've been talking about it like she wanted this little drive-by thing and like super excited about it so um and it's real cool to just see them like kind of uh getting prepared for that so uh that's got me really pumped about it too you know what i just noticed that all your kids birthday are around the same time what what time of year is that that y'all be getting busy man And I'm his personal <laughs> question. I, I know. Like, right. matter right now. I get busy that? anytime. No. That's like, it's, uh, it's a certain November. No, no. So my oldest, man, her, her birthday is in February. And then I got two summer babies. Mm. So. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So it is that October, yeah. November. Yeah, yeah. It's that October, November. It's that Halloween. Uh... Yeah, yeah. We, well, <laughs> you're right. I can tell you. I can tell you the exact moment. Uh... <laughs> who who birthday in October? That's that. No, no, nobody birthday in October. But uh, oh, we in Michigan, it's Sweetest Day. Nah, nah, nah. So we went to a wedding, and man, she had on this dress. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Hey, got me. Have one right there. I'm gonna put a baby <laughs> in you tonight. Right. Now, actually, I think two of them were a result of us going to different weddings. Uh-huh. That's crazy. It is. It's so wild. Now that I'm thinking about that. <laughs> Man, I was just bored. If you don't, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was just bored. bored. I was just bored, man. Nah. nah. Yeah, yeah. I know it's gonna be a lot of pandemic babies. It's a lot. Call this generation, <laughs> COVID, the COVID generation, <laughs> right? The COVID nineteeners, right? That's right. It. <laughs> that, that might as well be their name. Man, yeah, it's gonna be wild. The stretches next three to four or five years or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, fellas, we appreciate the podcast today. Uh we have a couple jokes, actually. Oh, uh, go ahead and hit us with the dad jokes. Yeah, yeah. So check this one out. Check this one out. All right, all right. Why are elevator jokes so good? Any any guesses? Well, they work on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. One more. One more. Okay. One more. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Um. What's Forrest Gump's Facebook password? One Forrest one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, got, okay. That's solid. That's a solid one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> And on that note, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, it's been a great one. Next time. Don't forget you can always check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everything else that you listen to podcasts on. Facebook as well. At the Patriarch Podcast. That's right. We'll holler.